Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Emily, recorded in August 2022. She founded her atelier to amplify the female voice in the hospitality industry. I remember seeing the name for the first time and knowing I had to get to know the person behind this brand. All right, we're recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here today with me. Emily, Emily, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Noreen. It is so nice to actually be able to do this after communicating with you on emails and online. Um, so it's great to see you face to face. Yeah. And you've been doing so many amazing things with Hertelier. So I am so proud to have you on here today. Well, back at you because I love what you've done with inspiring women in hospitality. So many interviews, so many that have inspired me to actually reach out and interview them for Hertelier. So I feel that the sites really complement each other so well. And, Absolutely um, agree. and just both of us on this same mission to amplify the voice of women in our industry and to share the stories that inspire others uh, to know what the path could be. Completely agree. And, you know, the more that we can all do collectively and share the voice on various different channels is so important, right? Because the more that we can spread, the better um, it is for all of us. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, Emily. Um, how far do we go back? <laughs> as far back as you would like. I will ask you the questions anyway, so you can start where you like. <laughs> yeah, okay, great. Um, well, I got interested in hospitality when I was in university. I went to Cornell. Um, I actually started out um, as a kind of a early, early days of conservation and sustainability, I started studying that. And then um, after I think my freshman semester for, you know, first semester freshman year, I didn't really get along well with biology and decided to switch to the hotel school, um, which I loved. And I definitely found my people there. I just loved the, the program. Uh, my classmates. And from there, I worked in different operations jobs, um, front desk. uh, I worked in Vermont. I worked in Colorado, uh, room service, all kinds of different, you know, management trainee roles. And when I graduated, I actually found out just on coincidence about PR and that you actually could work in PR and do different kinds of projects and and communications work. Um, And that really appealed to me. So I ended up working at a PR agency that just specialized in travel and tourism. And my early accounts were in the Caribbean and Hyatt Resorts, and I just love it. So I feel like I got lucky because I found what I enjoyed doing right when I was kind of college age. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, we always say, you know, we're lucky or, you know, we stumble into it. You know, this is, this is something that's always 
I've been thinking about a lot, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, like, how do you know what you're supposed to be doing, right? Um, I was lucky that I found hospitality very much like you. I felt like I found my people, but I took a while before I figured out, okay, what are the things that I'm good at? Or what do I enjoy? I kind of tried everything, but that's also the beauty of hospitality because you can, you can try various different roles and jobs and functions before you find something that fits for you. Yes, 100%. I, I actually am one of my trainee uh, jobs. I was a parking attendant for a little while. <laughs> and I remember calling my mom and being like, yes, yeah, so I was a parking attendant today. And um, she was like, yeah, you might want to see what other jobs they're going to let you try. <laughs> um, but you know, you learn, you learn stuff in every job. And like you said, I feel like hospitality is a great you know, training ground because there are so many different jobs and different opportunities um, to see what you like the best, exactly. And I think, you know, you and I both commented on a recent podcast that I think everyone should spend at least one year working in hospitality because you can get exposed to so many different types of roles, but then also the skill sets that you learn along the way is yeah, you can't really find that anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. I, that was Nick, I forget his surname, from um, Soho, um, House. Soho House. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a really great interview. And um, I had no idea actually of his origin story that he was dyslexic and that he ended up in hospitality. And interestingly, he did speak about how, you know, the industry isn't something that people aspire to or at that time in the UK. Mm. Um, and now he's actually done quite a lot to uh, change the perception of working in hospitality. So I thought that was really good. Completely agree. Um, so after you graduated, you got into PR and um, is that where you stayed uh, for a while? Or what did you do next? Yeah, I actually stayed, I worked for an agency that doesn't um, exist anymore, but I still keep up with the, with the people that I worked with. But um, yeah, so basically I worked there for a few years and then I, I decided to go back to school because I never had a semester abroad and I was interested in kind of furthering my education. So I came to London actually, and I worked, at, I sorry, and I studied at the London School of Economics and I did a, a master's in social psychology, which is a lot of the, you know, academic work and the basis of how people come up with marketing strategies. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And then I considered trying to work here, but I didn't have the right uh, paperwork at the time. And it was pretty difficult to, um, get a working visa for an American at that stage. So I ended up going back to the same company that I worked, that I had worked at, because uh, I really liked people and they were super busy. And I, yeah, that was when I, I really started working on the, the Hyatt Resorts business and helping them to promote their different programs for families, for golf. Um, this was in the late 90s. And that was a really exciting and innovative uh you know, company at the time. And Hyatt actually still to, you know, they still do a lot of interesting programs. I just actually interviewed um, for Hertelier, the, the woman who's heading up uh, the caption brand, which is, you know, so they, you know, Hyatt is a company that continues to innovate and I really respect and admire. Um, and so from there, uh, I, I ended up working at Lowe's Hotels um, 
doing a similar role, but in-house. Um, and I, I loved working at Lowe's. So with Lowe's, I started there in 1999, actually. And um, at that time, we did some amazing and innovative marketing programs um, that I loved promoting. So uh, we were the first brand, others take credit for it, but we were actually the first brand to introduce a pet program for, for travelers. Um, we did an amazing family program. Uh, we did, Lowe's was actually one of the first companies to have a really uh, established, they called it their good neighbor program. So like a community service um, program. So we did a lot of these things that are really commonplace today, um, but Lowe's at the time was quite innovative. No, that's great. And what made you come up with these ideas? Like what made you think like, oh, we need a pet program or we need a family program? It's funny because, you know, it's just this, that's actually the thing I love most about working in PR and working as a journalist is just kind of observing trends. I'm a total news junkie. I mean, I think you read, I do a newsletter every week um, that's been super popular. I do it as part of her tell you, but it's um, a Sunday roundup. But basically that's just me doing what I do anyway. I read the news constantly. I've always been like that. Um, so PR actually is, is really a, a, a culmination of that. It's like, you have to be in what's being written about, what are, what are the trends, what are people interested in? And then coming up with the programs that uh, cater to those needs or you know, those trends. So, that's how we came up. I mean, we did one. I actually was on, I don't know if you know this program, but in the US, there's a morning show called the Today Show. And again, at the time, that was before YouTube and um, things like that would take people away from uh, network television. But we were on, I was on the, the Today Show with a program we did called the Metro. We did a Metro sexual program uh, package. Um, that was based on this was the original launch of that show queer eye straight eye or was it uh um, queer eye for the for straight, straight guy, guy. <laughs> yeah and it was like these five gay guys that would take a straight man and like help him with his clothes teach him how to cook and uh we did we did a program that was basically a package of that for a normal person so you know it's that kind of thing taking what's uh happening in in the world and consumer uh, tastes and preferences and then packaging it in a way that anyone can enjoy. I love that. Yeah. I, I haven't heard the term metrosexual in such a long time. <laughs> is that like, I think that all guys are metrosexual now. Like, I don't even know. Is that whatever happened to that word? <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, but it's so true. Like it's picking up on trends and seeing what's happening. I mean, that's basically how social media works today, right? Like they see what's trending, what's, you know, picking up a lot of engagement and then kind of you focus in on that so and you know you, you were talking about you know YouTube and other channels took everything away from the network channels how did you change or how did you adapt PR and marketing accordingly as well at that time yeah I mean when, when I was at Lowe's we got right in there I mean we were you know got on Facebook Instagram uh you know now of course I I've been a journalist for the last few years but um, you know, TikTok, you know, TikTok is actually super influential when it comes to 
travel and food. So it is really a space where I think there's a lot of opportunity for brands to, you know, get in front of consumers. I mean, the users are still quite young. However, somebody just came out with a study in the UK that said that like 8% of people my age, so Gen, Gen X and Gen uh, millennials are getting their news from TikTok. So it's definitely shifting. I, you know, I feel like companies that go where people are um, and adapt to these changing technologies, they, you know, they do better than um, getting their messaging across. And so after Lowe's, what did you do? So we, um, we moved to London in 2010 for my husband's job. Uh, and we thought we were actually just gonna be here for a couple of years. My children were quite young at the time. Um, so when he had this opportunity, as much as I love my job at Lowe's, which I did, um, we thought we could take our kids, they were four and six and travel around Europe and he would, you know, it was an exciting opportunity for his career. Um, so we said, okay. And what the plan was, we were just going to stay here for two years and then go back to New York. And with that in mind, um, I thought, well, instead of trying to establish myself as a PR person in London, um, I would work as a journalist, which I did. So I just kind of flipped the coin, did the flipped and did to, uh, the other side of the coin. Um, and I started writing for Questex, which I'm sure you know, yeah. uh, does a lot of the hotel trades. And I specifically was writing, and I still do write for a travel agent central and mainly for luxury travel advisor where I'm the London um, correspondent. And what was interesting about all of that was that in 2010 was two years right before the Olympics. Um, there was also the last Jubilee, I think it was the, the Silver Jubilee. Yeah. So uh, it was just a super exciting time for London. Um, the city was just having a massive boom. There were so many hotels being built and renovated. Um, so it really, there could not have been, in terms of the travel and tourism industry, I don't think a more exciting time or a more exciting city to move to. And actually we, we love London and we've stayed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I completely agree. I remember that time during the Olympics and then the Jubilee, which was also 2012. Yeah, all of that was happening that same year. It was just, it was such an amazing vibe and such an amazing energy. Like, I loved being in the city at that point. And you're right, like in the last 10 years or so, there's so many hotels that have opened up like that. The increase in supply was incredible. And just so many amazing properties that have opened up. Like, I've just loved watching how this city has grown and developed and just to know that I've been a part of it has been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an incredible time. Um, and still, I feel like actually during the pandemic, uh, England, you know, London's been amazing and that so many hotels took the time to renovate uh, or to do extensions or different things. So it's, it's definitely one of the best cities I think to live in if you're in the hotel business or if you're someone who writes or, markets the hotel business because yeah. it's just like London is a city where people are willing to try things they try new things um and also you just have so much international travel now I mean on conversely during the pandemic uh the city really did suffer without the international flights 
Um, but yes, it's been a it's been a great place to live as a as a travel writer. Yeah. And uh, similar to you, you know, I was also planning only to come for like two years. <laughs> and then yeah, ten years later, <laughs> I was still here. Yeah, I mean, it's a city that it's great to live in. I mean, there's so much green space, but there's also so much culture. Um, you know, where we live, I, I can be on the tube, and in ten minutes, I'm in I'm in this you know Oxford Street in the center of town. So uh, it's just you know when I compare, people ask me, oh, because we moved from New York City, like what are the big differences between New York and London? And I would just say you can, if you have a family, you can have a a suburban quality of life, but still live, you know, basically in the center, in the center of town, yeah. which I think is nice. And also what I love about London is that every neighborhood is its own unique village and you can go, you know, different places. And it's like, you actually feel like, wow, this has a different vibe, different kind of people hang out here. I, I, I found more variety, I guess, by neighborhood in London than, um, than I saw in New York. Having said that, I know that Brooklyn has really evolved since I lived in Manhattan and I get the sense and I'm gonna go this summer, I'm going a few weeks to New York and I hope to be able to check out a bit of Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah I haven't spent enough time in New York to, to comment on it, but I agree with what you say about <laughs> London is like, you know, every part of London has so much diversity and just, such a different feel to it like you're saying a different vibe like you you go to north it's different to south wet like east like yeah. it's just and then even within those areas you know you still have the differences as well so there's something for everybody you will find a place that yes. works for you yeah the other thing i love about london i mean i could talk about london all day uh so i'll keep it short but the food scene here is incredible mm. and i guess coming from new york i expected i didn't expect much. And of course, when I had lived here as a student, there was, you know, I was on a different kind of a budget, but also there just wasn't the food, no. the quality, the, you know, the variety of food that actually you get in London today. And even when I have friends, I just had friends come from New York last week and we went for Indian and they're like, I don't know why you still can't get like a really good high, you know, a, a nice Indian in New York City. That's what they were saying. So I think we also, having lived here for so many years, you almost take it for granted. Um, but yes, I'm always amazed at the, the different uh, food restaurants and the, the variety of cuisine that you can get here is amazing. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Hertelier. Like, how did that start? Why did you do it? Um, tell us, tell us all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love, you know, I just interviewed you, which you uh, have seen that came out on Monday. Um, but I believe you and I were inspired by the same things that we were witnessing was that, you know, in my role as a reporter, I noticed that there were more women um, taking bigger jobs. They were becoming GMs. They were, you know, in doing different jobs in food and beverage, which had traditionally been jobs that men were, were in. Um, and at the same time, I noticed that women were also starting to organize themselves to help each other with mentorship, with uh, different opportunities like that. But that as a, as a woman working in the business, I didn't find a place where I could go 
and find a lot of information on different things. And there wasn't really a centralized news source that also had a mission of amplifying the voices of women that, um, that there just hadn't been, there wasn't, this didn't exist. And I thought, well, if this is something I would want, maybe other women would be interested to, to see it as well. And um, I asked a few friends and people were like, yeah, I would, I would be really interested in that. Um, and basically it was the pandemic. And I thought if I'm going to start something, this is the time. Uh, and so I just started it and then it's just taken off. I mean, I actually was just looking at the stats before the, uh, before our call. And I mean, we've had so many visitors to the site. I mean, the site's just over a year old. We've had uh, 75,000 visitors to the site, wow. which I think is great. And that doesn't even include, you know, all the exposure we get on LinkedIn and Instagram. Um, and the newsletter, I, I, I encourage everybody to sign up for it. It's yeah. free. Um, I do a Sunday newsletter called the Roundup, and I basically round up all the, um, so, you know, big travel stories of the week, but with and the business stories with kind of a feminist slant. So, so many discussions now, particularly after the pandemic uh, about women and how women really suffered during the pandemic because they take on the primary role in, in child care. And that while, you know, how many months we are after the pandemic, men now are back to the workforce um, at the same rate that they were before the pandemic, whereas women are still behind. So basically more women left their jobs during uh, the pandemic and now are much slower to get back into the workforce. So there have just been so many issues and conversations about women, women in the workplace, um, and just kind of looking at hotels through that lens and employment opportunity. Now, and of course, on the other on the other hand, um, the industry, the lodging industry, so many people during the pandemic went to other industries because of work-life balance or different things. And now the industry is suffering with the labor shortage. Um, so it's just kind of communicating those messages of why hospitality is a great career. And then also encouraging hotel companies to make their workplaces more friendly to women and showcasing when and how that works best. So. Um, you know, a couple of themes have emerged over the course of the year, uh, writing about uh, women in hospitality and um, looking at the different areas where women are really uh, making progress has been also very interesting. Um, so, I mean, just to talk about that a bit yeah. more is, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we're seeing more women in, in the real estate area. Um, a couple of women are CEOs. I interviewed uh, Hilda Perez Alvarado, stands out in my memory as she uh, is the CEO of the Hotels and Hospitality Group for JLL. Um, also more women uh, becoming GMs. Uh, I think about, actually my very first interview was with Abby Murtaugh, who is the GM of the Arizona Biltmore, which is part of Hilton. Um, at, well, part of the Waldorf Astoria collection, but you know, she took over that hotel after it just had a hundred million dollar renovation. And you know, if I think back, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this, Noreen, but like 
you know, five, even five years ago, I don't know if you would have seen a woman in that role taking on that kind of a big premier GM role. What do you think? No, I don't think so. And I think, you know, that that's probably what we're both trying to do is raising awareness, raising the profile of these women, because by talking about it more, it means it is possible, right? By yeah. being able to, like you're saying, amplify the voice and these role models that we're both trying to highlight. That means, you know, people will be more open to putting women in these different positions that perhaps wasn't possible. Um, I think one of the things definitely, I agree with everything that you said during the pandemic, but I think what we've also seen in the last two to three years is more discussions around diversity and around women and around making sure that we have, you know, a more diverse workforce at, at every single level. So I think the timing of what we're doing is, is coming at a right time. And I hope we can kind of get ahead of it and make sure that we continue to, uh, you know, create greater visibility. I mean, cause that was the thing when I first started out, I just didn't ever think I could be a GM. You know, I graduated over 15 years ago and I just never aspired to be a GM of a hotel. And I went to hotel school and because I never saw anyone like me being a GM, but now, you know, women like Abby or Anne or Michelle, like they, they inspire me. And, you know, I really hope that they will inspire, you know, the generations that are coming out now to aspire to be like that, or also encourage people to say, Hey, look, <laughs> women can do the job too, you know? So yeah. hopefully it opens up the pool, but you're right. I think part of it also sometimes is if you're not coming back into the workforce or if you've gone and shifted into a different industry because of better work-life balance, and that's something else that needs to be tackled separately. And how do we make sure that we attract people back into the industry, particularly women? What can, what changes can we make to make sure that, you know, because being a GM is a full-on role, like how are you going to have yeah. work-life balance? If you have kids, if you have a family, how do you make sure that you can still prioritize that and still be successful in your role? Yeah. Yeah, actually, we just did a panel uh, with new mothers, one of whom was a GM at a property, and she talked about a lot of the challenges she had um, in terms of, you know, bonding with her team and, you know, the late nights and the last minute. And most of the the women, I mean, I spoke with five women in different roles, and um, they said the challenges of, of handling childcare. And then, of course, there's been a lot of research about how women um, do what they call the invisible workload, which is all the, the mental energy that goes into making sure your kids are, get to go to the doctor, that they you know, get to dress up for a book day or these little things that you, know, you don't think about, but I mean, you do think about as a woman, um, but you don't think about how much time that adds up to. So actually companies like McKinsey are doing a lot of research about what that actually means. And um, I think what's, what's great is that McKinsey's also put out a lot of research about how a diverse workforce is actually a more profitable one. So I think the more we can share that message of how actually doing these things is really good business. Um, something I'm personally interested in is like, how, um, you know, what kinds of solutions can we help women with for childcare? And, and then actually not even for just children, as a lot of people are 
have elderly parents, they have sick relatives, you know, the caring is responsibilities, yeah, a lot of different responsibilities. And how do you help people, whether it's with flexible scheduling, is it offering, you know, emergency care days? Um, you know, what does this look like? What are the costs? And then actually, how do companies figure out for it to make good financial sense? Because, you know, when you factor in trying to hire people and all the costs and uh, that go into that, I think. Um, and then also, you know, many hotels here that I spoke to during the pandemic and now in the recovery is like, you don't have enough staff to even run at 100, you know, to run at 100% because you just can't service the, the hotels and the guests the way that you would want to. So they have to turn away business. So that, that, doesn't, that's, that doesn't make sense either. So companies need to find that middle ground and um, you know, figure out the solution. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time. And what do you hope next for Hotelier? Like where are you, where are you planning to grow or how are you planning to grow? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's happening. Well, you know, the great thing about Hotelier is it's, it's been all organic growth. I mean, I haven't spent any money on advertising or um, sponsoring um, that yet. I mean, that could be um, something we look at to grow the site is to just generate more awareness. But I mean, we were featured in, in Forbes magazine and that, that really helped uh, grow our audience. But that's kind of the focus right now for this year is really growing the audience. And then I'm hopeful that we will get support from the industry and get sponsors to help reinvest in the site. I mean, we've proven that there's an audience out there and it's a highly engaged audience. So when I look at our, you know, on LinkedIn, uh, we have over 3000 followers now on LinkedIn. And when I put the site up against the other big hotel tr trade magazines, publications, websites, um, actually our engagement is higher than theirs with a much you know, lower percentage of readers. So, um, it's, it's a great opportunity for any hotel companies that are really looking to show that they're, you know, they don't just walk the wall, you know, that they really are meaning to attract more women, to make their companies a place where women have great career opportunities and equality. So, um, it's just, yeah, I mean, I think that's where, where we're hoping, where I'm hoping ahead with the site, um, and so far, everything's going great. I mean, I, I just, I'm sure you feel the same way about your site is like, yeah, it's so gratifying when actually people write to you or email you or post on LinkedIn, like they share things. It's great. No, absolutely. Like for me, it's extremely rewarding being able to, you know, speak to the different women, hear their stories, being able to share their stories. I want both women and men to be inspired, you know, by the stories here. And, you know, just like your newsletter, you know, the more people sign up, the better, because, you know, we're, we're getting, we're educating, right? I think this was one of the yeah. discussions that came up during the round table I did a couple of weeks ago is, you know, it's just about educating and making sure that people understand some of the challenges that we face and, you know, how can we solve for it together? And, exactly. um, you know, your, your newsletter, your weekly newsletter is great. You know, it just, if I haven't read the news at all that week, yeah. I know I can read your newsletter and I'll be up to date. 
That's great. Thank you. I mean, that's the idea is that is really another thing is that I'm mindful that that people are short on time and it's just like, what are the things that I can do to help people uh, be better at their job, to be more knowledgeable and, um, and to save time. So uh, that's really the purpose of the roundup and anyone can sign up and it's just go to www.hertelier.com and look under hot topics and there's a drop down for the weekly roundup and you can sign up there or actually it'll prompt you to sign it'll up prompt if you as go soon to as the you go site. To website, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the other is like, as we're talking, I was thinking also one of my other favorite interviews was with um, Valerie Ferguson, who heads up all the upscale resorts for Disney. Um, she was the first black female hotel general manager back in the 80s for Hyatt um, and her story is incredible and actually a lot of the things she said about um, working in the business and advocating for yourself I really think that's you know she just really nailed a lot of the things and talked from her own experience which again I just think as you say it's just a great way for for women to learn and for men. And we have actually interviewed men as well about allyship and what does that mean and what does that look like uh, in practice, which also it's just great to get different perspectives and to get everybody having the conversation. Completely agree. Um, well, that kind of brings me on to my final question, which is who inspires you? That is a great question. And I'm going to say two people. So one is Nancy Mendelson, who's my partner on Hertelia, who's really, she was my boss when I was at Lowe's Hotels. And she writes a weekly column, which uh, I think people really enjoy. It's definitely one of the more popular things that people read from the site. Uh, and she, she just brings a lot of experience before she worked at Lowe's. She um, was in the marketing team for CBS News. And she's been a teacher at NYU at the Tisch School there. Um, so she really inspires me because she just has a very grounded look at life and, um, and careers. And so it, that's, she's, she's definitely one, definitely check out her column. And then I would actually say somebody that many, many people have heard of is Sarah Blakely from Spanx. I just think she's so funny. And she's, she just lives her life, but also has, you know, just really figured out how to be an inspiring career woman and yeah. entrepreneur. So I think she's, she's one I love following her on Instagram. I completely agree. I love her content. <laughs> <laughs> well, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality. Mm -hmm.